Welcome, I'm Greg Means, editor of the White Lake Beacon. Today we're seeking answers to questions from readers about Whitehall District Schools bond issue, which will be on the May 5th election ballot. We'll be talking to district administrators. I will now let them introduce themselves. I'm Darlene Donville, the superintendent at Whitehall Schools. This is my sixth year in the district. This is the first podcast that we've done together, and we appreciate this opportunity to be able to tell our community about our bond. Hi, I'm Christina Neese, Assistant Superintendent for Finance and Human Resources for Whitehall Schools. Darlene, first of all, could you share the cost of the May 5th bond issue? Sure. The cost of the bond issue is $22,080,000. Now, Darlene, let's uh, move on to the scope of the bond issue work, and maybe we can start with the instructional technology portion. Sure. We have plans for all the buildings in our district to receive instructional technology. That would include new computers. We do have our computers now on a replacement cycle of five to six years. We would be able to hopefully maintain that. It's becoming more and more difficult to do that. So we would have computers in all the buildings. But even more important than that, there are many new instructional technologies out there now that tie in very closely with the new textbooks that we are purchasing. We should have document cameras in every classroom. We should have projectors in every classroom, a sound system for each classroom. Those are the basics that we're looking at. Then beyond that, there are many other new technologies for instruction that our district technology committee are presently looking at that wouldn't necessarily be in every classroom but certainly in every building on a checkout system whatever it might be but it's important to us that we expose our children to 21st century technologies okay good why don't we uh, move on to the other building needs in the in the proposal Okay, and you had asked me about the cost, so what I will do is I will go through by buildings, probably the easiest way of doing that. Beginning with Shoreline, approximately $1.5 million of the bond would go to Shoreline. That includes replacing the roof. It includes new carpet. Our carpet in that building is approximately 15 years old. Our students spend a lot of time in instruction on the floor on carpet. So it would be replacing the carpet and then remodeling the entrance way to enhance the security. At Ely Elementary, the cost would be uh, approximately a million dollars, and that would include remodeling the gym, replacing the gym floor. Again, original floor in there, quite slippery. We are concerned about the safety of that floor. We also have uh, a portion of the roof that was not addressed in the last bond that needs to be replaced. Installing carpet in the classrooms, we have carpet at Shoreline. We would like to have carpet in the classrooms at Ely. Just makes for a nicer learning environment for the students. And then the last area at Ely would be the playground. There's a lot of sand that's tracked in and dirt into the, into the building. Obviously, if we put carpet in there, we want to have something done with the irrigation to have a better green space for the students to play, whether it's phys ed, whether it's during recess time. At the middle school, uh, we are looking at remodeling the athletic locker rooms. They are, I believe, the original. They are quite old. And also replacing the student lockers within the building. Replacing uh, the kitchen walk-in cooler, that, that cooler is over 50 years old on borrowed time. We would like to replace that to maintain our lunch service there at the middle school. 
the football field, some basic irrigation and resurfacing the track, certainly not to meet the demands of a competition varsity track, but certainly something that would be um, appropriate for middle school phys ed, middle school track, and also you're probably aware that we have many community members that walk the track and we want would want to continue that opportunity so we would like to get that up to um, a level where we are not concerned about safety any longer um, we do have some lanes that are closed down right now because of the cracks and we would want to make sure that those could be replaced or those could be on that surface could be redone and then last at the middle school create a better area for middle schoolers to have phys ed green space right outside their door in the main campus not across by the water tower but right where they would not have to cross the street and that they could have phys ed out there they could also have practice uh, for football out there we have had a lot of safety concerns about students crossing that street and going to, you know, to the uh, fields the practice fields on the other side of the road there so this would put everything on that one campus for middle school. The cost at the middle school approximately 1.9 million. The high school 16.8 million that includes again the technologies I've already talked about but they would also this would also include moving relocating all of our athletic facilities uh, to one campus. What is the advantage of that? We would then consolidate uh, the the what I want to say, the area so that we could have one, we could operate out of one field house. So if you can envision that, we would have an entranceway that would be fenced in and the entranceway would include the ticket booth, would include the concession stand, bathrooms, locker rooms, meeting rooms, storage area, all in one site for the different athletic programs and it would be a way of servicing them again as I said I'm on one campus rather than spread out throughout the district. That is fairly cost-effective in the large scheme because to renovate the athletic fields where they currently exist would be approximately 14 million dollars. To move them all to the one campus would be approximately 16 million dollars. Also included at the high school would be a, an auxiliary gym and added equipment and we hope to purchase some additional track equipment, uh, different equipment that's needed and we would certainly utilize the old equipment um, at the middle school level. We would be replacing some of their equipment. Parking lots, we would need additional parking. We do have something planned and the design certainly has not been done yet, but the entrance in and out of the school is a problem. Anyone that has lived in this community and has attended events know that there is a problem on White Lake Drive. There is a portion of the bond dedicated to look at redesigning that entranceway and perhaps having an additional exit out of the property perhaps not on White Lake Drive. So again, those are all part of the um, ideas in the conceptual phase, but the design work would yet to be done to alleviate that problem. The last building, the Community Services Building, which is the old high school, um, minimal. We're looking at a, a, around 900,000, basically parking lots. We do have to resurface these lots outside of the building here. They are in you know, pretty critical shape. And we're also looking at replacing the carpet in this building. The carpet is the carpet that was here when the high school was here. We still use this facility for preschool, for adult ed, for workforce development, 
uh, for the uh, administrative offices, and we have walkers in this building. We have many community members that are recovering from a surgery in the winter. We have uh, several senior citizens that come and walk, and we really do want to continue allowing that to happen. And we are concerned about the safety with the condition of the carpet. So that would be one of the purchases. And also out of central office buses, we do have the need for additional buses. Our bus fleet is running well over 200,000 miles. Many of our buses are, are up to those kinds of um, aging, you know, aging levels of aging. So we would be purchasing some buses. And then last, if you are going to have more green space, you need better equipment, better mowers, lawn mowers. That would be part of the what we consider the central office expenditures. Maybe I can uh, ask to, to back up the technology um, and the part of that and the total cost of the bond issue. Tech, the total cost of the bond issue is $22,080,000. You asked about technology. Um, technology is about 17% of this bond issue. The dollar amount that you asked about would be around $3.4 million for technology. Uh, Darlene, when does this when does the current bond issue expire? The current bond issue expires in 2028, and the th this particular bond issue would expire in 2035, which extends the current levy of five of, excuse me of seven mills. It extends it out another seven years. Okay, thank you, Christine. How much additional taxes would be paid by extending the bond? Currently, the school district is levying seven mills for debt retirement. We would continue to levy seven mills. It's a little difficult to um, analyze what the cost of that would be or what taxpayers would pay because we don't know what property values are going to do 20 years into the future. However, in trying to look at that, um, we saw that for a homeowner that would have a home valued at about $120,000, in the first year that the current levy would have dropped off, and we would continue levying seven mills, it would be about 24 additional dollars per year. Over the life of the bond, um, it appears that the additional cost for a taxpayer would be approximately $90 a year. Okay. You say taxes will not go up, but you're extending our taxes. Isn't that a form of taxes going up? We have tried very hard to be as open and honest with the community as possible on this issue. We've tried to state that the seven mills that taxpayers are currently paying will not be increased because of the current bond. However, you're, you're correct. Because of the extension that we're asking um, the voters to approve, taxpayers will pay additional taxes over time. What we're asking our community members to do is to continue the same level of support that they've been providing to the district at seven mills over a longer period of time, over seven additional years. Thank you. Darlene, how long would the technology last that's a part of the bond issue, and how long till we would need new technologies? Our current replacement cycle for computers right now out of our general fund is approximately five years, five to six years. We have been able to keep that up. Um, it has been difficult. So our hope would be that with this bond we could purchase new computers, uh, but we would still maintain that cycle of five to six years of turning over computers. 
we will purchase the computers not in all one year. So by spreading it out through the first few years of the bond, that helps extend the life of the computers and it keeps the district on a cycle. Now, as far as the other instructional technologies that are included in this bond, their life expectancy would be much greater. We are looking at some very basic equipment, instructional equipment that is needed in the classrooms. Equipment such as document cameras, projectors in the classroom, sound systems. The life expectancies of those pieces of equipment is much greater than computers. So your question as far as how long will the new technologies last, that is difficult to, to answer. Technology is changing so rapidly that it's difficult to know what will be out there in 10 years and what the life expectancy will be. Our infrastructure with technology is in, is in very good shape, so the kinds of things that we are purchasing in this bond are really directly related to the classroom, will be used and seen and touched, visible, which is a really more exciting, I guess, than knowing what kind of wiring is behind the walls. Um, but again, to, to, to try and predict um, how long things will last, that is difficult to do, and I don't want to mislead the voters. Computers are what they are, and technology is what it is. Um, but it will be on a carefully maintained cycle, as we do right now. Okay. Darlene, how much of the bond proposal will go towards academics versus extracurricular activities? I struggle with that question as far as trying to separate the two. We have always looked at the education at Whitehall schools as an opportunity to educate the total child. So when I look at, for instance, extracurriculars, we have 67% of our students and at the secondary level where obviously extracurriculars are probably the, the biggest um, involvement. We have 67% of our students involved in, in extracurriculars. I know that there are students that whether they're in the band or they play in an athletic program, I know that motivates them to do better in school. I know that keeps some kids in school. I know it builds self-esteem. I know that it builds confidence. So if if our goal is to produce successful students that can become successful adults, it's the whole package. Now, I don't think I've totally answered your question, but that is so important to me, I think, for the community to understand the value that we put on the whole child. If you look at the bond itself, I would say 50%, approximately 50%, will be going to athletic fields. Now, those athletic fields and facilities are used by the phys ed classes. So is that academic or is that athletic? So that's where the, the lines are blurred. Um, I know that our band, our marching band, will use the be able to use the new stadium, the new football soccer stadium. Is that academic or is that, is that athletic? But if you're assuming it's athletic, then I would say about 50% of this will be going to athletics. Um, there is um, a large 17% of the bond is technology. Um, a small piece of that is, um, you know, would be the security and surveillance. Is that academics? Maybe not directly in the classroom, but providing a safe environment is very much a part of our whole child 
um, attitude as far as what we need to do. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I think it's very important for the voters to understand that we are not a European model of educating students, that we are putting all of our dollars um, into just looking at students succeed in the classroom. It's the, it's the whole package. Okay, thank you. Christine, will there be any energy saving features as a part of this project? Absolutely. Um, certainly the replacement of Shoreline's roof will help to reduce energy use and costs. That's evident for anyone who's driven by that building in the winter and seen the huge icicle buildup that we have. Uh, the facilities that are in the bond haven't been designed yet, but we will be closely looking at energy efficiency and how to make those facilities energy efficient. There's also been discussion about adding a wind turbine to the high school property, which we're really excited about um, and hope that that can be feasible. Okay, thank you. Um, moving on, Christine, what uh, will local businesses get a chance uh, to work on the renovation and additional construction work? Absolutely. Um, we have already had one meeting with local contractors and we have another meeting scheduled in April. The purpose of that meeting was to get feedback from the local contractors on what we can do to help them be more successful in the bidding process. There is no question that our Board of Education is very committed to providing and encouraging local involvement to the greatest extent possible. We're going to be breaking down the bid packages in small enough components that local businesses can bid on them. We're going to be um, keeping a list of local workers who are interested in working on the project and providing that to successful bidders. And those are just a couple of the ideas that we've developed so far. There are going to be many more that we put into place. Um, we would like this bond to do more than just improve our facilities if it passes. We see the bond as an opportunity to provide work for local companies and workers and to be a local stimulus package for our community. Okay. I have some more uh, reader questions. Um, one, Christine, were these facilities not properly maintained for the sole reason of wanting new facilities? No. The district has followed recommended schedules for maintenance on our facilities. We've sealed cracks and surfaces where appropriate. The reality is that the facilities are just coming to the end of their life cycle. Um, we did a brief survey of other conference schools at, related to the athletic facilities particularly and found that our facilities in general were 10 to 20 years older than other school districts and they just, they aren't up to standard any longer. Um, what we're hearing from our parents and community members, we have a, a very discerning public, and when they're moving into a community, they look at the school district, and they look at our facilities. What we have been hearing people say consistently is that they're not impressed with Whitehall's athletic facilities particularly, and they're considering moving to other communities because of that. We have current parents who are saying, you know, we love the educational program that you offer, but our kids are involved in athletics, and we don't see that what we have here is comparable to even what other conference schools have, and they're considering moving. So from a marketing perspective, not only marketing the district, but marketing the community, we need to do something to make our facilities more comparable to what other conference schools have. Good, thank you. If, if you're having drainage problems with the baseball and softball fields, mm -hmm. why not move those events back to Funnel Field, which is city-owned, where they were played, um, games were played for decades mm -hmm. without issue? Okay. Um, Funnel Field, first and foremost, Funnel Field no longer has baseball fields. They're only structured with softball fields now, so we wouldn't be able to move our baseball program back. 
We do currently use Funnel Field for many of our JV games and for tournaments, but they don't, if you can picture them, they really there are no outfield fences there. They really aren't structured for what varsity softball competition fields need to look right now. Um, they, they just aren't competitive. Okay. Uh, the next question, Christine, is why hasn't basic maintenance been kept up? Don't you include basic maintenance in your annual budget? Absolutely. We spend over $275,000 each year on maintenance of our facilities. That doesn't include custodial costs, custodial supplies, or utilities. That's purely maintenance. Uh, many community members participated in a building and site committee that evaluated district facilities back in 2005. And we have spent our maintenance budget on fixing the majority of the problems that were listed in that community report. Unfortunately, the large ticket items can't be covered out of general fund because of the cost. Those large ticket items at this point include Shoreline's roof and our athletic facilities, which are, again, just coming to the end of their life cycle. Um, we either need to replace the facilities where they currently stand, which would cost about $14 million, or move them over to the high school at a cost of $16 million and address the safety issues at the same time. Good, thank you. Here's, uh, another reader asked, I knew when the new high school was built that you will want sports facilities near it, but this excuse has bugged me from the get-go. You say the baseball fields have terrible drainage. The fields are on top of a hill. I don't understand how drainage can be an issue unless the fields were built on clay soil, which means poor planning originally. Right. Um, the baseball and softball fields are built on clay. Uh, they also back up to a wetland and they're on a down slope from Peach Street, which means the drainage goes right into the baseball and softball fields. You know, I can't address why they were developed there other than I believe at the time that may have been the only property that the district owned that would fit those, um, those facilities. Again, what, what we found is that I think, I think the district was trying to look at a very cost-effective solution at the time rather than being developed by a company that was used to developing athletic fields and understood proper drainage. Um, we brought the Army Corps of Engineers came in, they did the excavation for the property, and I think the district was looking for a cost-effective solution on the only property that they had available. It just is, hasn't lasted you know, beyond that 20-year life cycle. Okay. Christine, will money from the bond issue be used for teacher salaries? Absolutely not. Um, bond money cannot be spent on teacher salaries or benefits or any other operational expenses for that matter. The money will be spent on increasing the safety of our students, supplying additional instructional technology, and upgrading our buildings and facilities. Christine, uh, a reader has a question. What is the timetable for construction? Will my child's education be disrupted by construction? No, it shouldn't be. Um, although the design would begin immediately if the bond were to be successful, construction on the school buildings would fall primarily in the summer of 2010 and is scheduled to be complete before school resumes in the fall. The athletic fields wouldn't be completed until the fall of 2011, but again, those wouldn't be disruptive to the educational process when work is occurring. The technology that's going to be purchased as part of the bond will really be infused over probably the first three years of the bond issue um, and is typically installed after hours or on weekends or during the summer. So again, none of the construction or additional equipment that would be purchased with this bond should be at all disruptive to the education of our students. Okay. And uh, if we approve this bond, how long until the school asks us for another? Hard to read the future. 
um, but our enrollment is decreasing slightly each year, so there really is not any foreseeable need to add classrooms or buildings. In the previous bond, as I think Darlene has previously mentioned, we addressed a lot of technology infrastructure issues. We addressed um, boilers and many of the roofs in the district. So now if we're looking at this bond, hopefully being successful, it will address the remainder of the roof issues, some asphalt issues, the athletic fields. So again, although we can't foresee the future, I don't see a need for additional bond money in the near future. Okay. And Darlene, if the bond issue is not approved, what steps would White House schools take to deal with some of the issues addressed by the bond? Most of the issues in the bond would not be able to be done out of general fund. We would continue to do what we could to stay on our computer purchasing cycle, which I had mentioned earlier, five to six years. We would continue to try and maintain that. As far as the other items that, that we would like to see in all the classrooms, the document cameras and the projectors and the equipment that really is aligned now with new textbooks that we have recently purchased, those pieces of equipment would not be purchased. Um, at best, we might do a piece at a time in a classroom, which we've tried to do. Um, my concern with that is that it would take so long to equip all of the classrooms, and it's hard to determine which classrooms have it and which classrooms don't. You, know, you run into a have and have not. And our teachers are at a point where to fully take advantage of the materials that we've purchase for them, they do all need those particular pieces of equipment. So that's the technology. As far as the, um, the other, some of the other items, protecting our investments, example, shoreline roof, we would continue to patch. The track, we would continue to patch. The um, tennis courts, we would continue to patch. I mean, that's, that's the best we can do at this point is to do that. The difficulty is when I say about protecting our facilities, I'm going to go back to, to the roof at shoreline. A bigger concern is not only just patching the roof and taking care of it today, but it's the damage that's done underneath. It's the damage that's done within the building. You can't really predict where those leaks are going to end up you know, having um, a problem and in which classroom. So we'll do the best we can. That's what we can do. I mean, the voters need to tell us what they want. Um, we realize this is a really tough time, but there are a lot of advantages now to going for a bond. And um, we've talked about this for probably three years now and you know you just keep band-aiding and um, and that's really what we would have to continue doing. Okay I think maybe you touched on it a little bit but uh, the final question is is this a good time to ask for a bond? I believe it's a great time to ask for a bond um, for, for a few reasons. One as Christine talked about earlier this is probably the most cost-effective time when you look around and, you know, I, I share information with colleagues and I look around in other districts, you know, bids are coming in extremely low. People need the work. So not only is it cost effective for the district, but it will stimulate work in our area. Probably even more important than that, you know, we're looking at 21st century technology. Can our students wait? I mean, in our lives as adults, if we wait two or three years to do something, it's probably not earth shattering. For a child to wait two or three years to be exposed to the kinds of technology that they need um, is, is um, a whole different story. And that's probably one of our greatest concerns is the fact that our students can't wait. The last, the, the, uh, the safety issue, 
that is critical. Um, the driving back and forth to the athletic fields, the um, icicles that, that are by the entranceways at Shoreline, the you know slippery fo floor at Ely. I mean, I, you know, I've gone through some of the, the um, items in our bond. The safety, I'm not sure how you continue to put that off. Um, again, we'll do our best we can to, to patch and to repair. Um, but I think it's a great time to go for a bond, and um, it would be a difficulty to try and separate what items um, can wait. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much uh, for answering these questions on the bond issue. Uh, while we're um, seated here and talking, uh, some of our readers uh, expressed a concern about the state's um, movement toward uh, full-time kindergarten and they're interested to know what Whitehall schools uh, are doing about that or, or where the thoughts are at. Darling, what, what is Whitehall looking to do about kindergarten? Mm -hmm. We've been actually talking about kindergarten for several months, probably almost a year actually. The appropriations bill that was passed last summer had a placed a requirement, a, a change in kindergarten. DK, so just so that everyone understands what the law says right now, DK is scheduled to become a full day program if school districts want to maintain full funding. The kindergarten classes are scheduled to change the following year out and, and in a gradual sense, 60%, 70% of the day of the typical school day for all kids, 60-70%, it continues to increase until eventually kindergarten has to be full-time. I can tell you right now, our decision is not made. We are still laboring over how to make this happen. Um, it is a financial issue. There's no question about it. Um, and besides it being a financial issue, there's also an issue of what's best for students. And there are debates over that. And as far as what, um, what, how is, how do you best service DK students? There is not one way, best way of doing that. So we are weighing over our program. Our program has been very successful at a half day, and I believe a lot of that um, involves the the teacher, the skill level of the teacher. So we are still weighing it out as far as what we're going to do. We are waiting to hear back from the um, the legislators and, and the uh, folks at the state level. We are hearing now, it appears that this all-day kindergarten initiative is going to be pushed back two more years. So if that's the case, you know, our the most likely path we will take is keep things the way we currently have them, which is at half days. We've been successful doing that, and um, th that would be the most likely um, decision we would make. Okay. Here's a question from one of our readers. Uh, how much money would be lost by keeping kindergarten half day? Keeping, it, I'm going to break it apart for you since the law broke it apart. Um, DK next year, if we were to keep it at half days, it would be about $120,000 lost. As that plays out, as I explained the law, as that plays out to all of our kindergarten classes in future years, we would stand to lose over uh, 650 thousand dollars again very significant for us okay good and how much money would it cost um, for like extra teacher space etc to go to full day full day there's a cost to that you're right because we would be adding teachers and space 
looking at that, just rough numbers, I'll, I'll break it out again. Uh, for DK, it would be approximately $80,000 additional to go full-time. For combining the DK or for looking at all of our classes, DK and kindergarten, we would be looking at about 400000 Now, that does not include custodial work for the additional space, the additional classrooms. It um, does not include additional buses that we potentially would need to use. What it doesn't include, though, there would be some offset of cost in busing because you would no longer have the noon runs. So whether or not that would be a wash between purchasing a new bus and the and the noon runs, would it could po potentially be a wash there. But even looking at that, we'd be, we would be looking at about $400,000 additional cost. Okay. And here's an, another question, uh, Darlene. What is the grant amount for kindergarten students? And added on to that uh, question, how much of that is lost by staying at half day and how many kindergarten pre-k students are at Whitehall and the reader goes on to ask what is the average salary of a kindergarten teacher and how many additional teachers would be needed to go to full day that's a lot of questions okay let's see if I, let's see if I can get all those um, the first question the grant money it's the same for all students. So whether you are a DK student or you are a 12th grade student, the the grant is 700, or excuse me, $7,316 per student. That's this year. The the number, I believe you asked me the number of kindergarten students. If I look at um, developmental kindergarten and kindergarten combined, we have approximately 170 to 180 students. Again, our enrollment varies every year. Some of our highs, 180, our lower, 170. We have 4.5 kindergarten classrooms currently. If we were to go to full-time, we would need an additional four and a half kindergarten teachers plus at least a half-time group of teachers, I don't know how else to say that, for our specials, you would have to have additional PE time, additional music time, so that those students would receive those same, what we call specials in the elementary. So five, if I, if I were to um, look at that, we would estimate that we would need five additional teachers to move to a full-time program. You asked me the average teacher salary for kindergarten. Looking at our data on that, it would be approximately $60,000. That may or may not be the district average. We happen to have a, um, a senior um, kindergarten staff. I mean, our, our, our staff, um, if you combined all of their experience, um, they have a lot of years of experience put together, which is probably why our kindergarten programs have been very successful. We do, we have some outstanding teachers there. I do want to go back just a minute. When I talk about the $7,316 per student, that that's an interesting concept that we have here in Michigan as far as funding schools because um, the argument you will often hear is that those students, kindergarten students, are only there for a half day, so why wouldn't the funding be half? What individuals sometimes don't understand is to educate a high school student, for instance, that might be taking chemistry, some of the classes were the cost, the cost of the textbooks, the cost of the chemicals, the talk cost of the equipment is so much higher. It costs districts more than $7,000 to educate students in those programs. So it balances out. 
So either way, um, we are looking at a loss to stand a loss, whether or not we go with full-time or whether we stay with half-time. Okay, thank you. And, and here's the final question from a reader. Isn't it misleading to say that full-day kindergarten is mandatory? It is mandatory or it is required if you want to maintain the current level of funding. So you're right, the, the reader that sent that in, they're right, it's not mandatory, we have a choice. We have a choice of losing $650,000 or losing $400,000. So I struggle with that question because um, it is mandatory if we choose to maintain our programs as they currently exist. One thing I did not mention that is important, I think, for our community to understand, when we talk about this kindergarten issue, we cannot use this bond money to solve that problem. So if we were to stay with the half-day programs or go to the full-day programs, that would come out of general fund dollars, not this bond. And since this podcast is really focused on the bond issue, it's important that I think the community understands that it's not, it cannot be used for solving this. Okay, good, thank you. And, and lastly, um, Darlene, can we remind voters when and where they should vote? You bet. May 5th is the date, and they should vote wherever they voted for the presidential election. The polling time, 7 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. So, May 5th. Well, I want to thank you, Darlene and Christine. This is our first podcast, and uh, kind of our guinea pigs and ourselves too. Um, we appreciate your candidness and and the answers that you have given our readers. Thank you. For thank you. To be here. Thank you very much.